Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But notice it says that his deadly wound was healed. In Revelation 13, verse 2, or verse 12, we'll see that next week, that the false prophet, he exercised all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it, notice, to worship the first beast. Notice that. He causes all on the earth. This is one world religion, folks. Do you think there's a one world religion that's coming? Do you think one is being groomed right now, ready, so that when this all this comes to pass, it's going to fit in like a jigsaw puzzle? Welcome, everyone, to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Revelation, chapter 13. Our scripture says, And his deadly wound was healed. This head wound that the Bible talks about is a mortal wound, not a superficial injury. Perhaps it is the result of God's judgment against the beast. The recovery of the beast increases his fame and authority. Twice later in this chapter, his recovery is mentioned in connection with the world's worship and devotion to the beast. Lord, help those that don't believe in you. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's study. You know, they each had characteristics. One of the characteristics of the Greek Empire was the swiftness in which they took over Babylon, over the Medes and the Persians, who had conquered Babylon and and, 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 um, and Nebuchadnezzar with speed and great accuracy, pinpoint, and just overwhelm them so quickly. And, and the others have characteristics too, but this one beast, this final beast that's going to come on the scene, this fourth beast that is yet to come, is going to have likenesses of all those together. Think of it as a, a, a conglomerate of those beasts, all in one, this fearsome beast. In fact, Daniel just said, this thing is ferocious. It's just stamping its feet, mashing the residue, everything that's in its way. And he makes it very clear that there's two different waves to this. The Roman Empire is already gone, but the remnants are already still in Europe, and they're just waiting, dormant, waiting, dormant, until the time comes. The church is removed, and this man of sin raises up. He's going to establish his kingdom. He's going to start right there. And I believe he's going to... Uh, start in Rome. In verse 3 it says, And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And notice, all the world marveled and they followed the beast. Some believe that this one world ruler will have an assassination attempt uh, upon him that's going to take his life, and that he's going to physically die, and he's going to go to hell. He's going to go to the abyss. And from there, Satan is going to be allowed to, to bring this demon from the 
abyss and he's going to come up and he's going to resurrect this man whose body will still be laying somewhere and he's going to inhabit him. He's going to physically come into him, counterfeiting certainly the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. One of the things about the Antichrist is he is all about counterfeiting. There's nothing new. There's nothing original with him. The best way he can deceive people is to put himself in place of Christ. If he was outright opposing him, everyone would notice who he was and be skeptical. But no, he takes the place of. And we looked at the satanic trinity last week. The beast, or the, the, um, the dragon, the devil himself, and then the beast, the antichrist, and then finally the false prophet. Each one of these function in part like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and their worship is very similar too. The false prophet we'll see next week gives glory to the beast, and the beast gives glory to the dragon. It's the same thing with the Spirit of God and Jesus. Jesus always gave glory to the Father, and the Holy Spirit is to bring us to worship Jesus. And so there's nothing new here. It's just a counterfeit. And it's going to be a really good counterfeit. And the world is going to be amazed. Because guess what, folks? You and I read the Bible, but there is a vast majority of people out there that have never read the Scripture at all. They don't even care. They don't even want it. And so when these things come, they're going to be completely blindsided. Completely blindsided. And that's why our mandate is to go out. What was the very last thing Jesus said to us? Go and make disciples in all nations. Go and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And lo, I will be with you always. And see, those marching orders have never changed. We still need to be doing that. But this Antichrist will be indwelt by the devil himself, or at least some very strong, very important demon in the underworld. Some believe that this is that this uh, this wound and this beast that's wounded is is the res- the resurrection of the Roman Empire. It could be, but I think it speaks very clearly that it is a person. It's a very person. That's also true, by the way, because it's going to be resurrected. So it could mean that, but I think it means more than that. And still, others believe that there will be a man who has already died that Satan will be allowed to resurrect, counterfeiting the true resurrection. And can Satan do this? Can he do this? God can allow him to do this if he so chooses. In Hebrews chapter 2, it says in verse 14, Inasmuch then as the children have been partaker of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, speaking of Jesus, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. The devil has the power of death. He has the power of death. And I'm sure God is not going to be the one that's going to resurrect this one, but he may allow this one to be resurrected. He certainly is going to at least allow it because it's going to happen. Is it possible for Satan to resurrect? Is it possible that he would resurrect Judas Iscariot? Wouldn't that be interesting? Judas Iscariot. The Antichrist and Judas were both called the son of perdition. This is just a, a possibility, okay? This is not a thus saith the Lord by any means. But it is interesting that the son of perdition, that certainly the Antichrist is called that, and so was Judas. Jesus also called him a devil in John chapter 60, verse 70. What did he say? Jesus said, did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? Diabolos, 
One of you is a devil. That's what he said. And then Luke 22, verse 3, then Satan entered Judas. Notice, Satan entered Judas. It's never happened before. Satan inhabiting a person. Demons, yes, demons have inhabited people. They've been possessed by the devil. But Satan himself? Oh, talk about a great deceiver. And one that will just dazzle your socks off. If he were to come, we would all be surprised. We'd be like dropping our jaws. Ladies, he'd probably be handsome. He would be a statesman. He would speak eloquently. He would be educated. He would look great. He would sound great. It would even feel great being around him for a season till he is, till his cover is blown. In John chapter 13, at the Last Supper, it says, Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Speaking of Judas, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. So could it be? It could be. It could be that it's, it's a man that's going to be alive soon after the church is removed. He's going to be an adult. He could die. He could be, the Satan could enter him. Or it could be somebody else in history that has died already that God is going to allow him to be resurrected with the, with, the, with the very devil himself operating the man. What about Antiochus Epiphanes during the second century? He was a great model for the Antichrist. He was the one, if you remember, who was, I think, the great-great-grandson of, of, of or, you know, one of the generals in Alexander's army after Alexander's uh, empire uh, dissolved. Remember, it was broken up into four different generals. Well, one of those generals was a Seleucid, and I think it was either his grandson or his great-grandson was named Antiochus Epiphanes IV. And he was the one who went to Jerusalem and he sacked Jerusalem and he put a, 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 an image uh, of himself in the temple. He slaughtered pigs on the temple altar and he killed the Jews and demanded to be worshipped. This man, could it be that he could be resurrected? It'd be interesting if it was. Can you imagine that? You got another shot at it, buddy. Can you imagine? We don't really know. But notice it says that his deadly wound was healed. In Revelation 13, verse 2, or verse 12, we'll see that next week, that the false prophet, he exercised all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it, notice, to worship the first beast. Notice that. He causes all on the earth. This is one world religion, folks. Do you think there's a one world religion that's coming? Do you think one is being groomed right now, ready, so that when this all this comes to pass, it's going to fit in like a jigsaw puzzle? It's going to lock right in place. If you're going to a church that is not teaching the word of God, if you're going to a church that's teaching some other Jesus, if you're going to a church that's not teaching Christ and him crucified and resurrected and soon coming back for us, you better leave. Because so many people are being lulled to sleep by false doctrine. Also in Revelation 13, verse 14, it says that, and he deceives those, this false prophet who we'll look at next week, he deceives all those who dwell on the earth by those signs that he he was granted to do, notice, in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was wounded by the sword. In Revelation 17, verse 8, it says, The beast that you saw was, you saw was and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit or the abyss. And will go to perdition. That's ultimately where his final resting place is going to be. We read about it in Revelation 20. 
When Jesus comes back, the false prophet and the beast are going to be cast into the lake of fire. Gehenna, we call it. It is the final resting place for the wicked dead for eternity, where there will be torment forever, evermore. It was never designed for human beings, by the way, but it was designed for the devil and his angels. But yet God will put people there who have rejected him. But it wasn't designed for them. It was designed for the beast and the devil, who will ultimately, Satan, he will be thrown in that pit as well, into that Lake of fire at the end, along with the false prophet, along with the beast. The three of them, one big happy trio. Can you imagine that conversation? Hmm. In Zechariah chapter 11, something really wonderful. I love Zechariah. It's one of those Old Testament prophets that has more about the end times than sometimes the books in the New Testament. I think of Zechariah as almost being a New Testament book because there's so much in it concerning the second coming of Christ and the time during the tribulation period. In Zechariah, it says this, For lo, I will raise up a shepherd in the land. And the land is usually spoken of in, in Jerusalem or in Israel. Which shall not visit those who shall be cut off. Neither shall seek the young one, nor heal that is broken, nor feed that that stands still. But he shall eat the flesh of the fat and tear their claws in pieces. Woe to the idle shepherd. That's not a spelling error. Idle shepherd. He's not idle in the sense that he's got time on his hands. No, an idle shepherd is someone who is idolized. We know what an idol is. Notice, woe to the idle shepherd that leaves the flock. The sword shall be upon his arm and upon his right eye. Here's a prophecy of probably how this deadly wound is going to come about. The sword shall be upon his arm and upon his right eye. His arm shall be clean dried up and his right eye shall be utterly darkened. So he's going to survive some attempt, probably with a sword. And who knows how that could happen. They could be in a boardroom and there could be one on the wall and some one of the guys who among the ten are going to be like, I've had it with you, <laughs> come up behind him and go to take his head off and he glances just in time to have his arm cut off so bad or to wound, be wounded so bad. And then maybe he comes back and hits him in the eye and his eye, is, his right eye is taken out. He is going to be an idle shepherd Because this shepherd, this idle shepherd, is going to put an image of himself. The beast, or the false prophet, excuse me, is going to see to it that an image is placed in the the temple for everyone to worship. Everyone will see it. And I'm going to show you something next week that's going to blow your mind. It's an article that I found, and this is the real deal. I've got the source. You can look at it, find it yourself. It's going to blow you away, but I'm going to leave you hanging there. Isn't that nice? It's like a sitcom, isn't it? You get right to the end, you're like... No, I'm serious. This is going to make what I'm saying, what's what's said in the Word right now, it's going to blow your mind. You're going to be like, oh my. People are ready for this. We'll look at this. But we have to remember that it's this beast, this Antichrist. Daniel said it the best in verse 27 of chapter 9. He says, the beast shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, a period of seven years. In the middle of the week, this week of years, in the middle of that three and a half year period, he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering. Why? Because he wants to be worshipped. 
He gave the Jews their opportunity to build their temple and to have their worship services. But when he is finally ready to reveal himself, he's going to cause those sacrifices, those offerings to cease. He is going to be worshipped. He's going to seek to be worshipped. And this is going to cause a big stink. It's going to be a big stink. And there are going to be many who aren't going to be excited about that either. But this passage in Zechariah shows us the character of this one. And Israel, they rejected the good shepherd, and instead they are going to embrace this idle shepherd. The Jews still believe that the Messiah has not yet come. So when this Antichrist, this beast, comes to the scene, they're going to openly embrace him. And there's going to be a problem, because we'll we'll talk about that in a minute, actually. I'm going to leave you another hanger. Like I said before, the Temple Institute in Jerusalem, they've got everything ready. Everything ready. They're ready to build their temple. And when this individual gives them the ability to do it, they're going to love him. And between him and the false prophet, they are going to embrace them both. And it's going to be amazing. Notice what Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 43. He told the Jews, he says, I have come in my Father's name, in Jehovah's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. And that is exactly what's going to happen, folks. That's the tragedy about the Jewish people today. Many of them, some believe in Israel, there are some born-again Jews. Amir Sarfati, our good friend, is one of them. But there are many who don't. They don't believe that he came the first time. They've been deceived. But they will embrace this master deceiver, this one who will come on the scene. So, is this beast, is he a Jew or a Gentile? I would like to think that if the Jews are going to embrace him, certainly they know their scripture, he's going to have to be a Jew, right? Could be. Could be. Some think that he will be a Jew. In fact, in Daniel chapter 11, Speaking of the, this beast, Daniel speaks and says, Then the king shall do, and this is Daniel 11, verse 36, Then the king shall do according to his own will, and he shall exalt and magnify himself above every god. Notice, every god. This is the Antichrist. He shall speak blasphemies against the god of gods. Okay, He knows that there is a god of gods. Isn't that true? It's not like he doesn't know the truth. He knows the truth, but he's so bent on overthrowing him and desiring to have worship above him, it's lunacy, it's insanity. I mean, think about it. If you were a created being, someone created you, and you look at that being and say, I'm better than you, and I'm going to rise above you. That's like a Ford truck coming off the Ford plant, you know, coming off uh, off the line and then exalting itself above the company who made it. And it's even more lunacy, more crazy than that, because we're talking about Almighty God here. But notice it says that he shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished, for what has been determined shall be done. He shall regard neither the God of God, I'm sorry, he shall regard neither the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall exalt himself above them all. This word God here is Elohim in verse 37 there. He shall regard, neither regard the God of his fathers. This word, God of his fathers, is something that's very well known to the Jew. It was in Exodus 3, verse 15. It says, Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers. This is a very Jewish phrase, the God of your fathers. So could it be that this Antichrist is a Jew? It could be. It could be. 
Some think that he will not be a Jew because he is actually the final Gentile ruler. Maybe he's half Jew. We don't really know. I guess it's really silly to speculate. And it doesn't really matter. Either way, they're going to be deceived greatly. And this beast that we're, we're going to, this other beast that we're going to talk about next week, this false prophet, comes from the land who many think is the land of Israel. And if that's the case, maybe that's why they will receive him. Because this one is going to be very cunning. And perhaps he will be a Jew. And perhaps that will further sear their conscience to embrace him nonetheless. And notice what it says here. Neither, he shall neither, neither regard the God of his fathers nor the desire of women. This word desire of women could be a title, actually. The desire of women could be Jesus. He's going to turn his back completely on the Messiah and the promises that the Messiah has made in the scripture. I mean, how many promises are in the Bible? There's quite a few. And there's still yet promises that are yet to be fulfilled. So he's not going to regard the God of his fathers, and he's also not going to regard the desire of women, which, again, it could be, speaking of a title, the desire of women, the Messiah. Every Hebrew young lady desired to be the mother of Jesus because they knew the prophecy of Isaiah 7, verse 14. Behold, the virgin, the virgin will conceive. Not just a virgin, the virgin. There's a specific virgin. Or it could mean that he's a homosexual. You know, if it doesn't mean that, then it means that he, he doesn't have any, any desire for women. Could he be gay? Or maybe he just doesn't have any desire at all. And this would be interesting because if he didn't, this would be a, a, a great distraction for a man of that power, coming into that much power. If he did have a desire for women, he'd have a problem. But he doesn't have a desire for women. Could it be that he's just, he doesn't really have any, he's, he looks at a woman and he's like, there's nothing going on, just flat line, you know. Where normal men, they see a woman, you know, heart starts to beat. He's just like, eh, I could, eh, whatever. Could it be? So they worship, verse 4, the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? He's going to be a strong military leader. And this has always been the dragon, this has always been Satan's desire for a very long time, is to be worshipped, to be worshipped. You recall in Isaiah chapter 14, this is what Satan said in his heart. It's recorded for us in verse 13. For you have said in your heart, God speaking to Satan, you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, of Jehovah. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. We call it the five I wills of Satan. His will was to rise above, wanted to be worshipped so bad, so bad. Satan has always wanted to receive worship. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness, it says in Matthew 4, verse 8, it says, Again, the devil took Jesus up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give to you if you will just fall down just once. Just once. I want everybody to see it, though. We're going to have CNN and MSNBC, Fox News. They're all going to be right there. Just once. I want, see, I want people to see it. I'll give, you don't have to go to the cross, Jesus. I'll give it all to you. Just worship me. Just bow down just this once in front of the camera. And Jesus said, away with you. 
For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. And he was given, back in our text, he was given a mouth speaking great things, great blasphemies. And he was given, notice, given, underline that word given. He was given, and he was given, underline that. That means that by permission, by God's sovereign will, his grace... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.